0: Confronting current marketplace issues surrounding the cannabis industry. Welcome to Cannabis Realities, represented by the law offices of Brock Eichler, LLC. Go inside current marketplace issues with insightful interviews from the thought leaders making the case for cannabis. Podcasting from the Garden State of New Jersey, Cannabis Realities, represented by the law offices of Brock Eichler, LLC, is now in session. Here to make our opening statement is our lead counselor, Charles Gormelli.
1: Welcome back to Cannabis Realities, where our mission is to deliver insights and reliable information from thought leaders who have a demonstrated expertise in the wide spectrum of issues that are encountered both in the cannabis business as well as the cannabis reform movement that is now sweeping the country. Today, we're really uh, fortunate and lucky to have with us Judge Jim Gray, uh, judge Gray is a retired Superior Court judge from the state of California. He's a well-known author, and as and I first got to know him by looking at his book "Why Our Drug Laws Have Failed." Also wrote uh, "Wearing the Robe: uh, The Art and Responsibilities of Judging in Today's Courts," which I found interesting as a trial lawyer. And he's a host of an active and really interesting podcast, "All Rise." Uh, he he's acted as a former Libertarian candidate for vice president in 2012. And hot off the press, just as recently as April 15th, is now actively seeking the libertarian nomination for the president of the United States. Welcome, Judge Gray. Thanks so much for taking the time.
2: Sir Charles, thank you. It's always good to talk with good people. And by the way, you didn't mention that you were a really esteemed guest on my podcast to all rise the libertarian way with Judge Jim Gray. So this is kind of uh, reciprocity, but, <laughs> but a pleasure to have you with me. <laughs> That's the way the pod sphere works. That's great. Hey, hey you know, we're going to spend
1: some time and we have a, a, and I can say and testify with some, some security that 30 minutes really flies by. So there's a lot to unpack when we talk about cannabis, both as a Uh, the history of it, as well as where we might think it's heading. uh, And in our diverse jurisdictions, you're out in California, I'm here in New Jersey, uh, with a practice that spans the whole country. But I really think it would be helpful if you could give our listening audience some understanding of the history of how we got where we are now with respect to cannabis and generally the declared war
2: on drugs. Well, Charles, let me not be gentle. Because I say publicly, I say now, that the United States government committed a crime against all of us back in 1937 when they passed the Marijuana Tax Act. It was done basically for racial reasons, political reasons. just happened that the government, federal government, had a whole lot of troops that were no longer being used because they repealed alcohol prohibition. So they kind of looked around to see, well, what other use can we put them to? And now they didn't make marijuana illegal, as you know, but you could still— sell say ten dollars worth of marijuana but they added a tax to it like fifteen dollars tax on a ten dollar transaction and if you didn't fill out all these cumbersome forms then you were violating the federal law so among other things the crime was that they prohibited research into the benefits of cannabis and we're only beginning to understand those now you know cbd oil i i think will be a positive medical revolution in our country and you know I've never smoked marijuana. You cannot call me an expert on that, at least, because I never have. But uh, my drug of choice is alcohol, and I'm convinced thoroughly that the potential harms from alcohol far surpass the potential harms from marijuana. So when it comes down to it, I believe that This gifted actor, Robert Downey Jr., for example, it makes, he, it makes as much sense to me to put him in jail for his heroin problem, and he's had that problem for a long time, making good movies now, but it makes as much sense to put him in jail for that problem as it would have Betty Ford in jail for her alcohol problem. It's the same thing. It's a medical issue. Bring them closer to medical professionals that can help them instead of pushing them farther away and making them automatic criminals, but— If you, I, Robert Downey Jr., Betty Ford drive a motor vehicle while impaired by any of these mind-altering drugs, certainly including alcohol and marijuana, methamphetamines, whatever, that's a crime. What's the difference? And that's a critical issue that we have not focused on. Now, by your actions, you are putting our safety at risk. Legitimate criminal justice issue. But otherwise, it makes as much sense to me, Charles, and I hope you agree in my libertarian principles piece, most people are libertarian. makes as much sense to me to have the government tell me what I as an adult can put into my body as it does what I put into my mind. It's none of their business.
1: Sure, and so we got off on the wrong foot by adopting this Marijuana Tax Act uh, back in the '30s, and compounded the problem when we created the Schedule One as the really the official opening of Nixon's war uh, war on drugs. So, so it's taken us 30 or 40 years to understand the disaster that this uh, cannabis prohibition has visited upon the country. What, what what groups do you see have benefited from having uh, this cannabis f- uh, failed prohibition policy?
2: Well, you may know then, because that, that is a, leads into a, an article I wrote for the Oregon Law Review. But uh, I have six groups that have benefited because of drug prohibition. And the first is pretty obvious. It's the Mexican drug cartels, big-time drug dealers. Uh, they make billions of dollars. I don't think they pay any taxes on it either. And uh, they, no one in the government will tell you with any straight face that we seize more than 10% of the illegal drugs. And basically, it's more like 5%. So for every ton of cocaine, for example, we seize... That's not a victory because it means that we're not seizing an extra 10 tons. But at any rate, they're winning. Second group of people that are winning are the juvenile street gangs. You know, I was in juvenile court for a while, and you would see that the juvenile street gangs use... Sale of drugs is a recruiting tool. Hey, you want to make some money? Come join our gang and you can make some money, which is a terrible thing to do. The third group, basically like you would expect, are the police. You know, their their funding has increased exponentially because of the war on drugs. And by the way, please be clear, I'm not pointing the finger at law enforcement and saying you failed us. They're getting more arrests, more seizures, longer prison sentences than ever before. But it's kind of like blaming Al Capone for for, for, uh, alcohol prohibition. You know, it just isn't working. And it's an amazing partnership between the good guys and the bad guys, if you think about it. The fourth group of people are the politicians that keep talking tough with regard to marijuana and other drugs, and we keep re-electing them, so that's our fault, but they're winning. And the fifth group is the private sector that make money because of increased crime. Uh, you see this in the criminal justices. Who might that be? Uh, people that make burglar alarm equipment, uh, security services, certainly the prison guards union, they're winning. And the last group, now hold on to your hat, because this one, really people should understand pretty much every terrorist group around the world osama bin laden and down gets its primary source of funding from the sale of illegal drugs of course that's been true with east germany with eric honecker and north korea and fidel castro all these people now bolivia is doing the same thing you know and who is losing everybody else in fact i'll go so far quickly on that last one charles to say if the federal government really cared about fighting terrorism they would adopt the one effective uh, a a solution against it take away their funding so i don't believe that the war on drugs or the uh, government really cares that much about fighting terrorism then who is losing everybody else particularly our children finally ask this question don't take my word for it find the first 10 teenagers you find and ask them hey my son my daughter what's easier for you to get if you want to alcohol or marijuana. And every last one of them will tell you if they wanted to, it's easier to get marijuana. Why? Because the drug dealers don't ask for ID.
1: Right. It's really, you know, it's really interesting. One of the things you pointed out was the the use of the proceeds uh, that the cartels and the terrorists exploit by virtue of operating in this underground marketplace, even today. And and we're, we're pretty far down the road on at least approaching more enlightened uh, cannabis policies in this country you still don't have a real secure banking industry for uh, that that's accessible to cannabis businesses Charles, I, it's insane you know it's we really we insane. have that pending now in Congress what how, how do you how do you square the the safe banking act uh, with some of your libertarian principles
2: well first of all I'd like to Mentioned that yes, as you said, I'm running for president as a libertarian. Uh, that will that problem will end with the Gray Sharp administration, and it's just nuts because if you make people deal in cash, first of all, it's so much more cumbersome for to do all of that. Secondly, you're making yourself a prime Target for takeover robberies, and and thirdly, you know, how do you even pay your taxes? You know, you take take wheelbarrows full of money, and it's just it's just crazy. So uh, there are some state banks that have been used very quietly, by the way. But uh, you you just have to get the government out of this. And in fact, uh, I believe strongly that. The Gray Sharp administration will cause marijuana simply no longer to be on a schedule on the Controlled Substance Act, which we'd probably try also to repeal, but allow each state to decide how best to serve and protect its people. And then if, you know, Indiana does something that's working pretty well and Illinois isn't. Wow, we can learn from each other. Hey, Charlie, look, this isn't working in Illinois, but look what they're doing in Indiana. It's called the concept of federalism. Maybe you've heard about it. It's called in the Constitution. And there's nowhere in our Constitution that delegated to the federal government the ability to make drugs illegal. Now, not not at all. In fact, with alcohol, they knew that. So they had to pass the 18th Amendment to make alcohol illegal, which was then repealed by the 21st Amendment. But the government was really cagey, really sly, because like I say, they didn't prohibit marijuana in 1937. They just put that tax on it. And the same thing with the... Harrison Anti- uh, Non-Narcotics Act back in, I think, 1907, that was a tax act as well. It was only the Nixon administration for the first time in our country's history that made marijuana illegal in the Controlled Substances Act. All of this has just been hoodwinking America and, and it's exacerbated the problem enormously. What, a, what a, a depressing history to really reflect
1: on, but let's take a brief moment for one of our sponsors and then we'll come back and have a little more forward-looking and hopefully optimistic view of this marketplace.
0: Cannabis Realities will return after this brief recess.
2: Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee, ah, how sweet it is. Sugis infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with
0: a dunk of Sugis in your drink. Order your Sugis now at
1: s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California.
2: Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Sugis, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Hey, it's Nick Hexum from 311 and you're listening to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina on CannabisRadio.com.
3: garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com.
0: Cannabis Realities is back to cross-examine the issues affecting the cannabis industry. Only
1: on CannabisRadio.com. So uh, we're we're back with Judge uh, Judge Gray and and Judge. Could you, uh, you know, there's one thing I wanted to try to drill down a little bit more on, and it's you know the way this marketplace has developed with uh, the states determining the path that they're going to take, even in the face of existing federal prohibition, which raises a whole series of problems in terms of interstate commerce and everything else, but. From a libertarian viewpoint, it sounds as if you would – your administration would point the direction or at least take the federal government's boot off of the neck of the industry and let the states decide.
2: Is that that sort of the the way you'd view the marketplace? Take away the sort of and yes. Yeah. uh, If, in fact, for example – Iowa were to keep marijuana illegal for whatever reason, and then somebody transported, smuggled marijuana into Iowa over state lines, that would be a federal offense. Because if you are doing that to violate the laws of that state, I think that's a legitimate federal offense. But otherwise, the federal government would step back. And and let me tell you something else, Charles. I studied this from writing my books. In 1980, the Reagan administration again ratcheted up the war on drugs. And by 1990, we had only half the successful homicide prosecutions nationwide in 1990 as we had in 1980. Why? Because it takes resources. And those resources were taken away from the investigation. Investigation of robbery, rape, and murder, for example, and put into nonviolent drug offenses. Mm-hmm. And so that's it's just a question of where are you going to put your resources? Hey, I have an idea. Let's use our resources for people that cause harm to others instead of maybe harm to themselves. The criminal justice system, as you know, is really quite good and effective at Keeping uh, protecting us from each other. They're pretty good at that. But it's terribly ineffective at trying to protect us from ourselves. And it really shouldn't be, like I said before. So you would really
1: envision a a, a space where uh, states could actually determine to retain pretty strict uh, laws against cannabis consumption within their own borders, even in the midst of a country that might be moving in a totally different direction.
2: If that's what the state of Colorado or Nebraska or Florida wish to do, I think they have every right to do it. I think it'd be a mistake. I think they'll learn otherwise. Let me also tell you a story. I was in Peace Corps training, actually, in San Marcos, Texas. And back then, in 1966, it was a dry county, no alcohol. Hmm. And later on, I heard that they were going to have an initiative in the county to become wet, to allow alcohol to be served and they were doing pretty well they were polling they were up by 10 20 percent until about two weeks before the election and then all of a sudden they got this blitzkrieg ad campaign like you couldn't believe oh it's going to be harmful for our children and so it ended up losing and so the people looked after they picked themselves up dusted themselves off where did this come from it must have been the churches that sponsored this this no it wasn't do you know who sponsored this this uh publishing publications it was the people that had bars on the county lines that were going to lose their their customers because the neighboring county was going to become wet again so they were they took out reasonably a lot of money to keep that from happening and it's the same thing in a lot of ways with marijuana that uh, we just need to regulate and control it. California marijuana' has been the largest cash crop here for decades. You know, it's going to be here. It's just a question of, are you going to use the money, the proceeds, to further the interests of the Mexican drug cartels and juvenile street gangs and the rest, or to pay our our pay our pay teachers, our firefighters, and fix our roads? I mean, how hard can this be? But like yeah. you also know, Charles, the states and the counties and the cities have overdone the taxation, even in California, so... Legal marijuana or strictly regulated and controlled marijuana is about twice the price in California as the black market. So the black market is still profiting. You know, and that's very that's
1: a very important observation, because as we start to have this debate in New Jersey over uh, creating an adult, an adult use regulated marketplace for cannabis, part of the, uh, the debate. And a very important component of it is to be able to create a marketplace to take it away from the black market. But if government is going to price it through excessive taxation to a level where and and regulate it so that the cost of the product gets so high that it is significantly higher than what black market available drugs are going to be. I mean, the rules of economics are still going to apply, even though we're talking about cannabis and the numbers that I've seen, particularly in California, suggest a very healthy black market uh, precisely because of excess regulation and the cost of that regulation.
2: How do you think that plays out over time? Uh, Well, if the local officials or state officials realized that if they were to reduce their taxation by half, they'd probably double their their revenue. You know, it's just, that's just a question. It, people don't want to buy illegal marijuana for numbers of reasons. In fact, let me share an experience with you because you're aware, Charles, that back in 1992, as a sitting trial court judge, I held a press conference, which judges do not do, and stated my opinion from being a former Navy JAG officer, a former federal prosecutor, now a judge for, I think it was nine years, that. Our nation's drug policy simply is not working. It has failed and we need to change it. And so I've been talking about this really ever since. I actually put my professional life at risk, but some things are more important than job security. But you understand, I was on the bench in the municipal court and at different times sentenced two young men for being under the influence of methamphetamine. Not a good thing. And uh, in California, still, it's a violation of Health and Safety Code 11550, mandatory minimum jail sentence, 90 days. So they have to give me... you know, a factual basis if they're going to plead guilty, namely put in your own words why you're guilty of this offense. And each of them at different times and in different words said, your honor, my drug of choice is marijuana. And I would buy my marijuana from the same source. But one fine day, unbeknownst to me, he sold me some marijuana laced with methamphetamines. I smoked it a few times and got hooked. And I still remember thinking to myself, we all know that smoking tobacco is harmful for your health but at least if you go to your local mini mart and buy a pack of marlboros you're gonna know it's not laced with methamphetamine that's a drug prohibition problem and the the impurities in marijuana today is a significant problem you don't have much control if you're on the black market in the in the regulated and controlled market you have testing that's a good thing Right. And
1: you can see this developing in the more mature uh, regulated adult use marketplaces, like in Colorado, where the whole market has shifted now to marketing that that promotes product purity, product stability, and predictability of the product result, which is a, a very important aspect of the industry that you're not going to get from the black market. In fact, you, you're pretty much guaranteed you don't have any idea what you're purchasing when you're operating in the black market? So those are all very, very important aspects of the of the when. When
2: we use. finally repealed alcohol prohibition, there were two things that we noticed right away. Number one is homicides went down fifty percent the next year, countrywide. Because now you didn't have this, this fertilization for that. And the second was that all this white lightning, you know, the, the impurities and the alcohol, go check your, your records at emergency rooms. No, those things almost disappeared because you have quality control with regard to a regulated market. So all of these things are important. And there was another thing It's a little off, a little esoteric maybe, but. In California, we had a huge fire. This was about 10 years ago. And we eventually found out it was started by an illegal grow of marijuana off way away from any roads, et cetera. Somebody turned over a, a Bunsen burner or something. And what did they do then? Well, they ran away. Well, okay, so it lit up the hills and, and it went in, I think, even into Yosemite. But if you have a legal market, they're going to be close to roads. If they have a fire, they'll call it in. They So they're not going to have that problem raising tobacco, for example, because it's regulated and controlled and safe. Under illegal markets, all bets are off. It's just you. I, I go to talk with Kiwanis clubs or whatever, and I tell whatever is close to your heart, I will show you to your satisfaction how drug prohibition makes it worse. And it could be education, it could be health care, it certainly could be economics, impurities, all of that sort of stuff, environment, whatever. Drug prohibition makes pretty much all of these things worse. It must be repealed. And we're well on our way. Vote for Judge Jim Gray and Larry Sharp in, <laughs> in 2020. You know, one of the things that, that jurisdictions grapple with as they look at
1: creating adult use marketplaces or, and 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 the tension, the natural tension of the state wanting to control the supply, regulate the supply and tax the supply is whether or not there's room for individual consumers to become growers. I know that's been a healthy level of debate in California. It's 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 making the same uh, type of issues come up in New Jersey as we debate. Where do, where do you fall on that in terms
2: of permitting um, individual growers? I don't know, Charles. Do you think you should be able to raise tomatoes? I don't know if you're quite capable, you know, no, or sell. No, no, certainly not celery. Of course. Of course. (laughs) Why not? It's a plant. And, uh, it's far, far less dangerous than virtually anything else. And, uh, you know, then you get to hemp. I I was on a radio show. This was 10 years ago, I guess, a radio talk show out of Iowa. And, uh, we were talking about ethanol because the federal government requires ethanol, maybe 10% to be in our gasoline. So a man called in and he said, well, judge gray, I'm going to talk against my own economic self-interest because I raise corn. However, you can get more ethanol from an acre of hemp than you can an acre of corn. And the corn will clog your carburetor and the hemp will not. Now, look, that's not my field, but the market will figure this out right away. The government entering that marketplace. No, no. The government should stay out of that marketplace and let, let free enterprise system do it. So it's just it's just amazing. The more you get into it, the more you just shake your head and think, why did we ever go down this road? And once we repeal drug prohibition, like we repealed alcohol prohibition, we literally all will put our arms around each other within a year or two and think, my goodness, what a what a mistake that now I say. And I mean it in my Kiwanis clubs, that drug prohibition is the biggest failed policy in the history of the United States of America, second only to slavery. And it's true. Let's take a uh, a couple of moments for our sponsors, and then we'll come back for a wrap-up.
0: Cannabis Realities will return after this brief recess. the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Duck Rob.
3: That cancer is preventable. The
0: Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob, Only on CannabisRadio.com.
3: The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the 2020 Cannabis Caucus Event Series from March 10th through March 26th. Don't miss this exclusive opportunity for NCIA members to network, Learn about regional issues from influential guest speakers and get the latest news about NCIA's federal policy work and emerging topics. Look for this year's only tour of Cannabis Caucus events coming to Portland, Denver, St. Louis, Detroit, Chicago, Newark, Sacramento, and Los Angeles this March. Stay connected, get informed, and take action to protect our industry and your business. Register now for your complimentary tickets at thecannabisindustry.org slash events.
0: Cannabis Realities is back to cross-examine the issues affecting the cannabis industry. Only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Okay, we're back with Judge Jim Gray, our uh, guest for today. Well, you know, coming from your California perspective, Judge, you've had a lot uh, and your own early adaption of recognition that the the war on drugs has been an abject failure back into the early 90s. California's had a much longer experience dealing with cannabis on on, on a regulated level than most other jurisdictions in the country. So as I always I always ask my Western leaning guests to look east as New Jersey is now confronting what will be a ballot question put in November okay. to change the constitution to allow uh, an adult. Uh, regulated use uh, marketplace in New Jersey. What do you think the issues uh, that should be in the forefront of New Jersey voters when they come and grapple with that issue? It's a a contentious issue. The majority, there has been a paradigm shift. You have 68% in the latest polls favor uh, the legalization or regulation marketplace. But just from your perspective and and with the benefit of all these years of experience, what should New Jersey voters look for in
2: that ballot question? Well, the first thing is, you shouldn't ever use the word legalization because alcohol is not a legalized substance. It's strictly regulated and controlled. So if you're talking about this to voters, Hey, do you want to legalize marijuana? No, I don't want to do that. No, I don't, then you don't care if my daughter, 12 years old, uses it and goes on to cocaine, whatever. Instead, if you say, Hey, would you like to treat marijuana like wine? Sure. So, so and, and it's accurate. It's more accurate, strictly regulated and controlled. Otherwise, you know, we look back at prop 65 in california that was the medical marijuana in 1996 was the first medical marijuana uh, initiative passed in, in in the country still charles i regret to say we really don't have implemented a regulatory body we, we don't have regulations even in place now because a lot of politicians don't like the idea so we still haven't regulated and controlled it as we should and so people they don't know what they don't have they don't know foreseeability i've never met anyone in my life that is more anxious to be regulated than people that are selling cannabis but we're still not there people are afraid and you just need to tell them first of all You've heard of Leisure World, maybe. It started here in Southern California, and it's down in Laguna Niguel. They had a protest by these elderly people. I want to get my medical marijuana. And they were you know, confronting the chiefs of police and the rest of that stuff because medical marijuana has, is a valuable substance. And, and I'll tell you, you can use this as well. I was running for U.S. Senate in California back in 2004 as a libertarian and went to Marin County, which is in northern San Francisco, and to a medical marijuana dispensary and arbitrarily went up and talked to one young man in line for his medicine, introduced myself and asked him what his story was. And he said, well, Your Honor... Um, About 10 months ago, I was involved in a serious motorcycle collision, did real violence to my spine, and my medical doctor had me on so many opioids, I barely could function. I was in a haze, and I would have maybe three or four brain seizures a day. Three months ago, a friend of mine introduced me to medical marijuana. I have weaned myself off all of the narcotics. I can pretty much live a normal life and I maybe have one or two brain seizures a week. I think to myself, what's going on here? We all know that filling yourself up with opioids is not going to be healthy for you. So let's research it. Let's use it. Marijuana is not that big a deal and you need people to understand that and talk about that gateway oh it's just a gateway to heroin or or whatever yes most people that use heroin or cocaine use marijuana along the way but before that they used alcohol you can trace it back to mother's milk if you want to but but most people that use cannabis never go on to anything else i mean just the giant amount of people so they just made it a witch hunt and they've doing this it started racially it's against all those mexicans just like the the cocaine, oh, those blacks are going to get high on cocaine and attack our our white women. It, it's been, it has racial roots, which as a judge really causes me just problems to to implement laws that were so racially oriented. Right. I, I don't think we've even begun to realize the toll that that opioids
1: have, have inflicted on this country and we're, that's going to be a multi-generational battle to bring our way back. Ha, comment a little bit about... The impact of enforcement of cannabis laws, and how do we come to terms on the social justice front with people who we put in prison last month for uh, growing or distributing a plant that this month we're declaring to be our latest and greatest new business? How do you how do we bridge the gap between people we were imprisoning to now? Embracing a
2: legal marketplace. Well, that depends. From my standpoint, uh, if you are in in jail custody for being in possession or using marijuana, I would expunge that. I would release you, uh, and and it should be over. However, if you're in jail because you took advantage of the fact that marijuana is illegal, so I'm going to make money selling it. Uh, I think that's a legitimate offense, and and you should uh, you should be good for it. Having said that. We have draconian sentences. I've been talking with people that were sentenced to 30 years, for example, for selling, okay, 500 pounds of marijuana, which is a lot of marijuana, but 30 years? I mean, are you kidding me? You know, maybe five years. That's a deterrent, and that's enough. But uh, so we have tens of thousands of people in prison right now at this moment, Charles, that should not be there. And, uh, we, we like reasons. to imprison
1: people in this country, though. I mean, we've, we've talked about this in the past, that with 3% of the population, we have 25% of the incarcerated population. That, that's right
2: it's actually five percent of the world's population and 25 percent of its prisoners in fact there was a u.s senator jim webb for, used to be from virginia who confronted with those statistics said either we're the most criminally minded people in the world or we're doing something wrong which do you think it is so we've over incarcerated and shame on us very expensive ruining people's lives ruining families as well so these are all things that we need to look at on a case-by-case basis but if you're there by the way charles at the end of the year 2019, I think the Cato Institute found out that we had had six million arrests countrywide uh, in, eight, in the last eight years. Six million arrests. They're still arresting people mostly for possession and for use. And that's just stupid. Just downright fundamentally counterproductive and stupid. Really is. Other than great. That, I have no opinions whatsoever. <laughs> I really really appreciate you taking the time to share with us
1: your your wisdom, your length of experience. We wish you the best of luck uh on the campaign trail. And please remember everyone to tune into All Rise with Judge uh, hosted by Judge Jim Gray and I commend Judge Gray's writings as well which they're absolutely
2: written clearly and really provoke independent thought. Thanks so much for taking the time. Certainly, welcome. Pleasure to be with you. It's two paragraphs for liberty by the way. Solutions that are Practical, effective, re- rela- responsible, and libertarian. Nice to be with you, Charles. Thanks, Judge.